live on YouTube as well. And we're going to test to make sure that uh, our friends in YouTube land can also hear us. Check one, two, YouTube people. Can y'all hear us? Please drop us a comment in the comment section um, while we wait to go live officially. So give us a few more seconds. This is uh, the first time we're doing this. Check, 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 check. Yeah, it feels like the first year work having a set up. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, but I see a lot of familiar faces in here. Thanks for joining us, folks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you everybody for joining us today. Um, yes, loud and clear from my end. So it looks like people can hear me. Um, and then let's make sure we can also hear. I can hear you, unfortunately, says Matt Smith. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Yasha, you want to say a few words on a stream as well to make sure people can hear you? Yeah, am I? Hopefully, I'm coming in cool. Two ninety five sitting on Tesla. I feel like that's a good mic check to do. Yeah. Uh, comment section. Please do verify that you can also hear uh, Yashu for us, if you don't mind. And then we'll get started once we confirm that. Thank you all for your patience. Really appreciate you. Loud and clear, man. You the champ. All good, Yashu. Okay, we're here. Sweet. We did it, Yashu. Last second. <laughs> Literally, uh, we were watching Emmett and. Uh, Matt do their awesome weekly good soil stream, but now also on Twitter spaces and we're both DMing each other like, hey, what's your plan? And I'm like, I don't know. What's your plan? <laughs> this is how I think I'm going to do it. Uh, and yeah. then we just at the last second, we decided to uh, do, uh, you know, take a little inspiration from Matt and Emmett and do our own version of this uh, thing. So thank you, Yashu, for coming on. And uh, just so everybody knows, for the second hour, we'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep it on the same Twitter space. So this Twitter space is going to go two hours. But then what's going to end up happening on YouTube is we're going to end this broadcast on YouTube. And then it should automatically redirect to Yashu's channel because technology is a thing that exists on the internet, apparently. So we're going to give that a shot uh, for today. Again, this is a brand new experiment. Uh, huge shout out to Bradford Ferguson, a.k.a. TSLA underscore 247 Twitter handle on Twitter. Uh, he has kicked off this awesome initiative. It has been talked about before. It's Emmett's brainchild. Emmett says it's not my brainchild, but I don't care. It's your brainchild, bro. You were talking about it. I've heard you talk about it. You're really the first person I heard talk about it. But anyway, if you don't want, you don't want to take the credit, that's fine. But do go uh, follow him on Twitter as well. Uh, that's a 247 TSLA underscore 247. <laughs> This is also being broadcasted as a Twitter space. And this could be the start of a 24-7 Tesla channel of some sort on, on Twitter. And who knows, maybe on YouTube and on network TV. And I don't know, we <laughs> might start on our, our own sport. You know, we'll we'll drive around in robo taxis and try to score goals. I don't freaking know. But anyway, it's a very exciting uh, journey that we're undergoing. So um, I, I don't know, Yashu, if you want to throw a couple words in there about the project as well before we get started. Uh, it's up to you. Yeah, yes. Uh, super appreciative. Uh, Bradford Emmett uh, setting this up. What's funny is it started as kind of a joke because we I used to I used to pre a thousand to split on Tesla. I used to say, OK, I'll, I'll when Tesla hits a thousand, I'll split uh, or, or I'll do a 24 hour live stream just for fun because I saw some some YouTuber doing that. I was like, oh, that seems kind of fun. And then Emmett's like, no, yeah, she's like he DM me. And it's like, yeah, she, we should actually like look into a way that we can do like a 24 seven, like radio, like sports talk radio. And I, I listen to sports talk radio, like way too much. Um, mm. uh, cause the Canucks suck. And it's, it's, <laughs> um, it, and I was like, yeah, that sounds great. But like, it sounds like a logistical nightmare. 
And then uh, it kind of blossomed from there. And Emmett obviously never lost the vision of this. So I'm super excited to see where this heads to. And and uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me on your channel. I think it's nice to do it both on both platforms because some, sometimes people want to see you. And I think the audience on YouTube is not always on Twitter and vice versa. So um, it, it's good to hit uh, hit both platforms, I think. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's 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 a great call. And uh, of course, we, we really appreciate everyone's support on, on both sides. Uh, you know, I really think this is a really cool project. And the fact that I get to share with Yashu on the first day is in itself super cool. My Juju brother from another mother from Canada. Look there at we that. go. My Juju King. brother. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Let's get started. Eh? People have talked about us uh, uh, chatting a little too much already without saying much. Uh, here we go. So the, the what I wanted to start with and um, uh, I'm sharing my screen on on YouTube Live, and then for those that are on Twitter, what I'll do is I'll find this on uh, Twitter and I'll uh, put it at the link at the top of the um, of the space. Is that there was a recent uh, comment by Martin Vieca, who is the uh, essentially the head of investing relations for Tesla, uh, that insinuated that RoboTaxi is likely to be much closer to uh fruition than some of us might think so to read this off for those that don't have a screen in front of them uh, there was a tweet that was posted by gary black that said uh, the most bullish message from martin vieca's uh, goldman sachs presentation was that tesla recognizes they need an affordable 30 to thirty-five thousand dollar compact ev prior to launching a tesla robotaxi combined with martin's view that battery availability is no longer an issue and then martin actually replied to that tweet and said never said anything about prior to quote unquote prior to 2024 robotaxi platform rollout so the interesting thing about this tweet and this is sort of how we'll kick off the discussion is that uh gary didn't really mention anything about a, a, attaching a date to robotaxi in his original tweet all he said is like hey it looks like Tesla's committing to a cheaper model before RoboTaxi. But then Martin replied and applied a date to the RoboTaxi of 2024, which to me implies, it implies that Tesla is planning on rolling out a RoboTaxi platform in 2024. Uh, what's cool about that is if we scroll down a little bit, uh, Gary being his awesome self, he goes in and starts trying to clarify some information uh, about uh, Business Insider giving some some you know specific guidance about it coming out before or after RoboTaxi. Uh, mm -hmm. And of course, I replied to it with a GIF because that's what I do because I'm a moron. Uh, but then there was a, a tweet also by Dave Lee. I don't know if you guys follow Dave Lee. And, and if you don't, I'm, I'm sure um, uh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> Dave Lee is epic in the Tesla community. Um, 2024 googly eyes, right? And which kind of implies that, hey, this is kind of a, a, an interesting take. Uh, so really the, the big takeaway for me, which Dave also took away, is that it seems like Tesla is really pushing this narrative around a robotaxi um, coming in 2024. How does that fall within your viewpoint, Yashu? What, what sort of like bells does this uh, ring in your head? And we can take the discussion from there. It's um, 2024. Well, first of all, can it, can we just say like it's awesome to hear straight from um, the source a little bit? Like hearing, yes. like like getting a tweet from Martin really clears up all the speculation, all the the YouTube uh, people trying to go down different rabbit holes of trying to figure out what that actually meant. And to be fair, I mean to a degree you have to right because it, unless you were a hotshot investor at this meeting. Uh, or you haven't listened to the leaked audio and you're trying to, trying to parse through what they meant. Like context is hard sometimes. Um, what 
I mean, that's super awesome to hear. First of all, it's good to get a date around it or a year at least around it. It's different when it comes from Martin, I think, than when it comes from Elon. Um, but that kind of implies, of course, that uh, the RoboTaxi platform without this new vehicle is they're projected to have that out, let's say, next year, 2023 then. Um, I'm not sure on the specifics of it. I'll I'll defer to you on that. But that gets me generally excited, um, at least to have like a date that doesn't come from Elon, let's say. Right. Yeah, I think. And then and then real quick, Bradford, I don't know if, you, if you're still listening in, but I, I was trying to uh, copy the uh, tweet to the top of the space here. That was Martin Vieca's uh, prior to 2024 Robotoxy platform rollout tweet. Uh, it doesn't look like it gives giving me the option. Uh, I don't know if you could post that to the top of the space. That would be uh, uh, great if you could. It looks like it's only reserved for host um, um, powers. Um, yeah, I agree. I think the fact that Tesla has come out and actually uh, we've heard from them that this is something that's going to happen and in, in, in potentially in 2024 gives a lot of indication. I think I think this where my head goes to is like, OK, if you're planning on rolling out this robo taxi in 2024, what does that mean as far as getting the public exposure to that platform? Right. Typically, the way Tesla has worked uh, uh, in the past, at least, is that anytime they've unveiled a product, it was at least call it a year and a half. You know, Model Y maybe was like a year because that one launched pretty quickly because it was on the yeah. same platform. But it was call it around the two year mark of a product being unveiled, uh, sometimes longer, to when it was actually shown. So the fact that RoboTaxi is already being rolled out in 2024 to me implies that the unveiling of said product is close. It's very, very close. And one of the things that I've heard talked about, Nicholas Gibbs from Investing Against the Grain has brought this up. I've heard other people in the in the sort of Tesla world brought this up as well. Um, and, and I'm of the thought that it seems like if it is really going to be a 2024 launch, we should be seeing the prototype soon. We should be seeing what the what the sort of design is going to be what how they're thinking about uh selling this thing potentially how they're thinking about making this thing available to the public so where my head goes to is okay ai day two is coming up here in the next uh few weeks really in, in two weeks two and a half weeks or so we'll have ai day two um could that be the right place to unveil this product could that be you know could could Martin coming out and sort of <laughs> giving us a little bit of a nugget that says 2024 RoboTaxi, could that be the little bit of a clue that says, um, you know, unveiling this product is imminent and AI Day Two might be the right place to do it, you know? Uh, and I've and I've floated that out there in the inner in the, in the internet, and sort of the the feedback I've been getting is that. Um, well, AI Day Two is a is a recruiting event, just like the first AI Day was. So mm -hmm. there's no, not going to be any products. Uh, but the Tesla bot was unveiled in AI Day, <laughs> you know, one of, one of the next generation products of, of Tesla that really hinges around a, their AI prowess was unveiled at that event. So why wouldn't RoboTaxi be unveiled at AI Day 2, especially if if, if, uh, if Tesla is given the indication that this platform is going to be rolled out in 2024? Um, any thoughts there, Yashu? How are you thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think... Um, uh, AI Day 2 is funny, right? Like a port... A a large portion of me does want to just consider it like a recruiting event because I think, you know, that's been said before in terms of expectations and, and surely like stock expectation wise, I don't think it's going to have, uh, I don't think it's like a catalyst to look forward to in terms of, in terms of the stock price, at least I don't at the moment. Um, but you're right. I think everyone's forgotten with AI day that 
I mean, AI Day won, uh, or, or you know, with, with Tesla bot and everything, and all the all the headlines and all the titles and all the articles that are written about Tesla bot. I think a lot of people have forgotten that. It, it, I mean, a lot of Tesla's AI is reserved for FSD, and so. What you know? What would be really cool, and maybe I'll just throw this out. I think I've kind of thrown this out there, but I haven't connected it to AI Day Two. What if AI Day Two had an announcement, something like you know, Tesla is partnering with such and such municipality to launch the world's first robo taxi network with Teslas, and it was like mm. a partnership with a city like Miami, like I've I've kind of predicted, and kind of thrown out there before, or you know, Las Vegas or something. Hyperloop makes sense. And that's the big announcement at AID2 is like, look, we're partnering with this city to beta test and to roll out the, the you know, in North America, Tesla's first city of robo taxis. Because I think, mm. I think if Tesla is close enough to that point, they want to start kind of doing the legwork of making sure that the all kind of fits together like sooner rather than later. Like that would be the first signal that like, okay. Tesla is close. They're close enough where they've picked out a city now, because I don't think you can just like wake up one morning and 10 dot or 11 dot six, nine is the new FSD update. And all of a sudden it magically works. And like everyone wakes up and everyone's just like, Oh, it's done now. Like, I, I don't think that's, that's the, the order of the, of, of how things are going to go here. I think the, the prudent business approach would be here, pick a city, partner with them, work with them, massage the the layout of of the robo taxis in that area, massage where they would get charged up, massage, uh, you know, who gets like Tesla knows how many Tesla owners are there, uh, uh, you know, there are in the city, how many of them have FSD, maybe a city like, um, you know, I'll just throw out, you know, uh, let's say um, Orlando. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to pick i'm trying to pick more I of a <laughs> more of a, a, a u.s city because i think it, it makes more sense it, it'd be yeah. great in vancouver but trust me like we just got uber two years ago so let's just you know let's tamper that a little <laughs> bit uh okay like a city like orlando tesla can look at the data of you of tesla owners in, in that city and go oh like we have a lot of tesla owners in the city but you know what only like two percent of them have fsd like you know i'm not sure i'm just making that up so Tesla can pick and choose and be like, oh, this city really doesn't work for us. This city would. Oh, this city has like 30% of all Tesla owners have FSD. That's interesting. Let's pick this. And then, you know, maybe behind the scenes, they're already working with some sort of partnership. So I think that's really what makes the most sense is, and I'm not saying this is going to happen at AI Day 2. I'm not sure if that's even the right platform for it. But I think the first signal to the market and to me would be Tesla piloting something in the city. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. I think that's a really interesting call because if if RoboTaxi is really going to come in 2024, which is again, this this is what I'm implying for Martin Vieca's tweet, um, you would think the conversations would have started already, right? Because this is a pretty this is a pretty big undertaking. I mean, uh, I, I highly doubt that Tesla is the way they're thinking about this is they're going to finish the software, have it ready, and then they're going to show up to Orlando and be like, okay, open the gates. <laughs> yeah. Like there's going to have to be some, you know, talk about the regulatory approval that has that's applied to FSC and how many times has Elon talked about, okay, so, you know, we can have the technology done on X date, but yeah. regulatory approval is, is a completely different beast. Uh, it would make the most sense to work these in parallel instead of finishing one and, mm -hmm. uh, and then waiting for the other. And then other. waiting for the other, yeah, exactly. You know, that that's just a very inefficient, that is not the correct business strategy. So one would think, and it would make a ton of sense that these are in parallel. Um, I like that. I like that. And so, 
so let me ask you this question. Wouldn't the municipalities then would, would need to know what this solution actually is so they can green light it? So wouldn't that imply that Tesla has something ready to be shown to some party? How do you think about that? Well, I guess Tesla would have all the internal data that they're not showing us that, you know, they kind of massage into the impact report. They would have all this data, like out of all of the FSD beta users in your city, Mr. Mayor or Mrs. Mayor, this is our, these are our current stats. And like, this is, these are with the old versions. And, you know, this is what we're finding is like this intersection where we know you have a lot of accidents prevalent when our FSD beta users pass uh, into this with FSD beta enabled while we have a statistically significant, uh, a much lower chance of any sort of collision here. And so I think mm -hmm. you can already walk through that. Like Tesla knows this data. Tesla doesn't share it with us uh, to our chagrin. Like, I, you know, it would it'd be great if Tesla could share a lot of this data with us. But I mean, of course they have it. But I, I also think you need, a, um, actually someone left a comment here and uh, someone said uh, you need a brave mayor. Agree. Like you need a forward huh, thinking, yeah. like someone to put their neck out. And you know what's interesting is like um, that would all, like, you know, we talk about uh, we talk about bureaucracy a lot. We talk about red tape and Tesla will have a hard time and always will with new gigas and, and FSD and all this sort of stuff. I think the best way to go about this is to get a, a, a champion from inside and get them to champion it for you. I'm not sure who that is. Uh, I'm not sure mm. which city works best, but I think having a, a champion leader from inside of the bureaucracy uh, sometimes can help, especially if they have clout. I'm not sure which mayors have clout. Maybe a governor, actually, uh, like maybe a governor makes more sense to, like, uh, you know, Florida, like maybe DeSantis wants to, you know, wants to put this up. Like maybe he wants to run. Like there's so many options here with people wanting to stick their head out for technological yeah. advancement because it benefits them in the long haul as well. That's a that's such an interesting point. And I wonder with Elon's recent sort of, you know, it's no secret that he's been wading a little bit more into politics. You know, he's he's openly come out as. Uh, saying that you know he's likely to vote Republican, I wonder how much of that is mm. is a signal for this situation here, where you know your point of we need a brave mayor or a brave uh, government official to be willing to trial this technology. I mean, yeah. theor theoretically, the the jurisdictions that are already running projects like Waymo, for example, or other self driving. I think there's a town in Arizona. Um, I forget which one it is, but there's there's multiple that are already running these uh, these um, trials. I wonder mm -hmm. if those are already you know the, the the places where they go. But I wonder if the other one is: Do you since Tesla is always thinking about large scale, you know, maximizing the data set so that they can solve the solution, which is really what they're doing with FSD beta. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're going to approach RoboTaxi the same way: is introduce a RoboTaxi in a place that's going to have the largest impact to uh, reduce fatalities will be yeah. one, right? It's going to be a safety variable. The other one's going to be a cost variable, right? So get it into a place where most people will benefit from uh, additional transportation because Tesla is tends to be a humanity first kind of uh, company, uh, at mm -hmm. least, you know, they're still making profit, but they're a humanity based one. So uh, widening the uh, availability of troops transportation is going to be another one. And then with the overlap of that political sentiment that Elon has is like, okay, but it also has to have a conservative mayor, you know, I want I wonder if this is how all these things coalesce and how we get a signal to or, or mm. how we sort of bring these things together and say, okay, this is where it's likely to go live, you know, um, and I know mayors, uh, mayors in uh, Florida tend to be quite 
uh, conservative uh, yeah. outside of, I think Austin has a, a Republican mayor. I forget. Um, hmm. But that's interesting. It's interesting yeah. that, that you're thinking about it that way, because I, I agree. I agree I with think, that. Yeah, and I think I think the only one of the only counties in and again, I'm, I'm Canadian. What do I know? I think one of the only Republican counties in California is, is Orange County, I think. But I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Like, I think you do. I think that's a great point. You want to pick you want to pick an area where you could, without a shadow of a doubt, point to Tesla's pilot program a year down the line and say, this is how many accidents it prevented. Like, you have to pick and choose to begin with an area where it's like so obvious the change that it's had in that city because you need these non-believers eventually, whether it's Tesla's robotaxi platform or someone else's, you need these non-believers that don't believe in robotaxis to be proven that, hey, look, like, don't worry, this is actually statistically um, safer. And again, this is all, this is all, um, this is all uh, really based on the fact that it is safer, right? Eventually, like it, Tesla still, I'm guessing, doesn't believe that they could launch it today and it could be where it needs to be driverless just yet. That's why they haven't launched it. But again, this is all uh, precedent on the fact that it is safer eventually when they go driverless on it. But I think there's a lot of logistical things like you, you're going to need little charging areas, like maybe the snake charges, someone saying Tesla bot is going to charge it. Who knows? Like these are all questions that I think um, have yet to be answered. Maybe that's what AI Day Two is about. I doubt it. Uh, I don't want to set unrealistic uh, unrealistic expectations, but I feel like a lot of people do forget about FSD when it comes to AI Day Two right now. Yeah, yeah, and it seems to be the more near term solution. I do think bot. I mean, bot's still going to be a um, probably a five to ten year timeline before it's really propagating through uh, society. You know, before it starts folding your clothes and all of us can cheer in unison <laughs> that we no longer have to fold our freaking clothes you know if there's a chore that i hate, I hate my it. god why is yeah. it so hard to come up with a machine that folds your clothes damn it get I mean, the tesla bot in my house <laughs> I, I, I i i don't want to call you out too much but have you seen those little like t-shirt folding things that you can buy like you just i have you i'm just a lazy bastard <laughs> <laughs> okay there you go <laughs> that would really, that's what it really comes down to uh Within within the context of safety, what's interesting what you said there. So I I got ten sixty nine two yesterday, hmm. yesterday morning. I went for a drive and I posted a a reaction video to it. Um, well, what's funny? Did no, you read something? No, no, I, I didn't. No, you can just go go back and and, and rewatch what you said. No, it's okay. Don't oh, don't worry about it. Ten sixty nine two. Yeah, you just got it yesterday. It's okay. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes, I did. <laughs> The software. Okay. We're like, um, we're like five years old. Here. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Apologies to everybody. Uh, unless you're finding this entertaining. Um, yeah. So I, I did a reaction video in Austin and um, it was interesting watching. So the, 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 the sort of the two variables of safety and comfort are starting to become really evident for me. And they were talking about RoboTaxi in 2024. So and Emmett and Matt were talking about this right before us, the hour before. So I really wanted to, I want to try and expand on this a little bit, uh, given that I've, I've had, for those that don't know, I've had FSD since I was working at Tesla. Um, I think I got the, I forget when I got the, er, I had one of the early builds before it got released to the OG FSD folks, and then it got expanded to, to the public. So I got wow. exposed to like the, the weirdness, you know, as an employee, you, you have one of those perks. Um, and I've been exposed to it from the very beginning, which was uh, it can make right and left turns and go straight and it can obey stop signs and traffic lights. But that's the extent of what it could do mm -hmm. to now a car that's able to navigate roads 
the way that a human could in most situations, which is which is kind of a mind blowing sort of um, uh, uh, improvement, you know, in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet I still there's still situations that 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 are quite uncomfortable. Like, for example, my drive yesterday, there were a few situations where um, it has this thing where if you're trying to arrive to a spot, uh, say I have a destination set and it's on the right side of the road, uh, mm-hmm. the car still hasn't uh, for some reason figured out that if the parking lot's on the right and you need to go into the parking lot, it's just on the left lane. So it just arrives to the location and it just starts to slow down to try and stop in the left lane on a 45 mile per hour road. I'm like, yeah. this is not <laughs> the proper behavior. So yeah. right there is, it's an odd one, but in my head, I'm like, okay, that seems like a case that should be relatively easy to fix if you already have map data that says it's on the right side of the road. So theoretically you could get on the right side and then triangulate your location to the road, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure there's a way to do it. Um, but then in, in a lot of different situations, the car can complete maneuvers you know, it can go, you know, it can make this complex turn or it can navigate around this traffic area. But the way Emmett put it as perfect is it, it does so, uh, it can do so as a jerk, right? It will do so in a way so that the driver's like, what the hell? Like the people around you are like, you're the worst driver I've ever seen. It still completes it and it still gets you to safety. Uh, but it's not how a person would expect that vehicle to behave given how h- humans have uh, uh, driven vehicles for the last 50 to 100 years, however long it's been, right? Yeah. So then this question starts to appear of uh, safety from point A to point B is a very different equation versus comfort from point A to point B, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is where I'm starting to really, I've shifted my my viewpoint on full self-driving and, robot, or, and so this robotactic technology from accepting it to get us from point A to point B safely to ensuring that it does so in a way so that it's comfortable so that people can begin to trust the vehicle that it's going to do the right thing, you know? And trust, I think, is going to be the biggest variable that's going to help robotaxi and full self-driving become acceptable and accepted in the future because you're in the end, the majority of the people that are going to use this technology are not in our circle. They're not part of the circle that's very uh, kind of tolerant of the way that um, FSC can behave sometimes. Like, we'll trust it that to get us there. But mm. if, if you're somebody who wants to pay 15 cents a mile to get from downtown to your house and yeah. the car starts doing some weird stuff, you're not going to use that thing again because you're going to arrive to your house with, you know, blood pressure 160 over 100. That's not good, <laughs> you know? Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Have you, have yeah. you thought about that at all? Like, I, I would love to hear your thoughts. I, yeah, I watched the video yesterday and it, yeah, it was at some points it was frustrating, like, uh, you know, seeing it. And I think, you know, since you know your area so well, it's just like, no, like, like you're turning right, but you're turning on the left lane. Just get in there to begin with. Don't turn right, stay on the right lane and then switch lanes. Like technically that's right. But who kind of drives like that? Right. If you're turning right, just turn into the right lane uh, or into the left lane right away. So there's like little things like that. The, the question is, do humans adapt to the way robotaxis are going to evolve? Or do robotaxis have to overfit for for human driving Ooh. ways? And that's the question is like, do humans get to a point where now we're going to be super, uh, you know, not okay. Eventually, we're going to be not sensitive, let's say, to the way robotaxis uh, drive because it's just second nature, right? It's like that elevator in your apartment, in your old apartment that like every time it stops, it like it jolts down for a half second and then it stops like 
the first time you're like going in the elevator, you're kind of scared. But like the tenth time that you've lived there, uh, that, that you've come in and you moved in, it's just kind of second nature, right? So the question yeah. is, which which one of those um, kind of uh, kind of fit the other? The concern I have with FSD, other than just the asymptotic nature of it, is that it, it seems like to me um, that the variables with FSD as we progress along, like it almost seems like um, heteroscedastic. And so, sorry for that word, but it's something that you, that I what learned. What the hell in, does in, that mean? <laughs> it's like something I learned in, in statistics. It's like where you know, as you move forward, the variances and the errors get bigger as you move towards the tail end. So it's like you know, these kind of edge case ah. scenarios almost seem to like. Like every, every single update is like all of a sudden you'll, you'll be like, oh yeah, this thing popped up that like didn't pop up before because now the car can actually turn left properly. But now that it does, like this is a new thing. So it seems like it opens up different uh, edge cases as it moves on the, I mean, but the upside is like, it has to do that. Like there's, you have to fit to that data. Any robo taxi platform eventually will have to, it's about how many, how, how good your data is and how good your neural nets are. So you know, these are the things I toy with a little bit. It seems like I hate, by the way, I, I hate doing this. I get super excited with one or two people's videos on a new update. It seems like yeah. this, it seems like the breakthrough is out. And then the next update comes and like everyone hates it. It's like, damn, I fell for it again. And until I get <laughs> FSD, I, I love my autopilot. Of course, it has little glitches here and there and stuff like that. But I love my autopilot, uh, my autopilot at least. I don't know how I could drive, especially highway driving without an autopilot system anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we're progressing. It's frustrating in the in in kind of the in, in just like the minutia and, and the macro or, or, or just the micro. But in the macro, if you zoom out, like beta's not been out that long. The progression, like you said, since I mean, you've had FST since you were an employee, like that's massive, like since the first day it came out. So like you've seen it and you can kind of, uh, you know, point out the trees from the forest a little bit and, and kind of zoom out for people like me that just have to vicariously live through FST a little bit. It can get hard. That's why I kind of take this like wait and see approach with FST. You don't really try to model it too, too much. Um, it's like a free, uh, I forget who said this. It's like, it's like a, it's like a massively free option. Like mm -hmm. uh, that's actually not even like a lotto. It seems like with the data lead that Tesla has, it seems like it, it's like a huge option play, um, yeah. on top of just, just, uh, just the car business. So that's kind of my thoughts generally about FSD. Uh, but I really need to get it into a car with FSD to kind of have better thoughts. I feel like. Yeah, it's, it's both impressive and frustrating at the same time which to me is a good sign. And the reason mm. why I say that is because now as a, as a population, we're starting to judge the software that was thought of as impossible to reach autonomy right. as a human. Right. Think, yeah. Just think about that statement. So the, the fact that we're expecting this thing to behave like us mm. tells me that we're that almost there <laughs> and in <laughs> that true. far. That's Within true. the time scale of like 10, 20 years, like the fact that I'm like, damn it, why aren't you in the right lane? Damn it, why didn't you take this smoothly? Damn mm. it, why are you driving like a jerk? Like we're completely forgetting about the fact that this freaking thing is on the road driving itself mm. most of the time. You know, if I take the hour snapshot mm -hmm. that I took yesterday, I have a, literally an hour long, almost uh, 50 minute long, full self-driving video uh, from a percentage of seconds driven the, the seconds it was driving itself was like 99.9%, right. okay? That's what the March of Nines is. So theoretically, from, from like a, as a percentage of total time on the road, 
we're at 99.9 already more more than likely like i need actually need to sit down and do the math it, i bet you it's 99.9 mm. mm. you know that this is what the march of nines look like but i, I feel like humans the fact that we're so critical of the system, and, and, and let yeah. me reiterate, I think we should be critical of the system. I think Tesla doesn't fix it unless we're critical of the system. They they have a, a fleet of 100,000 drivers where they're depending on the fleet to give them feedback to correct the things it's doing wrong. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing this. You know, <laughs> sometimes I sometimes get comments, uh, you know, and I obviously love everybody who follows my channel and, and leaves comments. So thank you very much. Keep doing this. I love the feedback. But I sometimes get comments that say, uh, why are you interrupting what the car would do? Like you have to allow the car to to mm -hmm. do it, complete its maneuver. I'm like, yep. that's not how testing works. <laughs> it's called safety. It's called safety. Yeah. You gotta prioritize it's it. Called, it's called safety and it's called sen sending data back to Tesla that tells them what it should be doing. You know, just because it completes the maneuver doesn't mean that that's the correct maneuver, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I always find that very interesting, you know? It's Mark so interesting. Marcus leaves a funny comment here. He says the only thing FSD will never manage is is road rage. <laughs> That's true. I can't wait for the first like person to get out of the car to like beat up someone and turn around and it's like a driverless robo taxi. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, th this is what I brought up uh, as well on Matt and Emmett's channel, uh, Good Soil, a couple weeks back. I said, you know, be mm. really cool is like a little experiment area in one of the empty parts of the of let's say giga texas where tesla can set up like roads or something where it can just have driverless beta go around and to completion like if it's going to make a left turn and it's not going to make it let it let it hit the car like you know get that feedback because you're right like humans will intervene and they should but if it's driverless all you're kind of sacrificing is like a couple dents here and there on a car if, if maybe a fender bender like just let it run uh, kind of to fruition, see where it goes. Um, mm. Now, of course, like, you know, that seems almost extra if we have all these uh, actual real driving scenarios coming in the neural net every single day and, and massively so with all these updates. So, but, you know, th that would be kind of a cool system to run it with. Uh, and I keep saying Hyperloop for 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 Las Vegas, but, but the Vegas loop, I should say, that's going to be interesting because Tesla, I believe, applied for driverless fsd happening there by end of year uh at least that's what i read in the spring i believe so i'm not sure where that okay. application is but i think the first area we may see it happen is just in 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 the um, in the loop tunnels uh in vegas so i think that'll be interesting um as like and maybe that's maybe maybe i i my whole spiel about them partnering up with a municipality yeah, that one right there. The boring coup, uh, the boring company's Las Vegas Loop Tesla fleet may be uh, may use FSD later this year, and that was dated uh, July, actually July six, twenty twenty two. So they applied for yeah. that. Yeah, I think. But but what's interesting about that is that it's a very sort of controlled, super super controlled environment where you're just going from uh, one side of the tunnel to another, right? So you don't have nearly as yeah. much complexity that's the way i understand it right like you're not going to have the complexity no. of pedestrians right you um, but but like devil's advocate tesla should already have that then right like tesla like tesla fsd is so far ahead where they should like that should be a no-brainer for them to do oh like, yeah of course. I, I, right so and, and i feel like i guess running that first letting that go and i guess bureaucracy is the only thing holding them back with their application at the moment so uh that'll be the first real world environment at least that we can see driverless in gotcha Okay. Um, 
yeah, I think I think this uh, robo taxi FSC discussion we can go on for hours and hours. I think the fact that I had to, I was so lucky to have um, Chuck gave me the opportunity to moderate him and James. I keep going yeah. back to this, but that was such an awesome discussion. I feel so lucky to have been part of that because, um, yeah, the, the fact that the fact that these discussions are happening it, it are again signals to me that says we're we're closer than we think. We're closer than we think. You know, it's always going to be late, but it's also closer than we think within the. Once that day comes, then a car can drive itself. Everything changes. Every mm. like it can drive itself everywhere. Everything changes, and yep. um, yeah, I don't know. It's just very exciting. Even even after my drive yesterday, where I had to you know intervene more than probably more than ten times in an hour mm. in an hour span, I'm still like, man, like it's not that far away. It's still to this right. day not that far away, you know. Yep. Uh, but again, I have a much longer time scale, so other people might feel different which is fine which is this is what's part of uh being part of this community so um we have about 20 minutes left before we head over to the closing hour the power hour with uh with yashu here so let me hit one more topic uh that i wanted to hit and that actually at the end i want to try taking a uh, request from twitter and i think what i want to try to do is i'm going to try to put take one of my ear airpods put it on the microphone and then see if that person's voice comes through so that okay. our YouTube people can hear it. So if, if anybody wants to uh, ask a question on Twitter spaces here at Safe Caller for the last five or 10 minutes of the stream of this space, uh, do request access. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, sorry, YouTube people. <laughs> you know, uh, we can take it from there. So the other one I wanted to hit, the other topic I wanted to hit was there was a article that was posted by uh, Tesmanian.com. All these great tes Tesla Rati, Tesmanian, Tesla people are so creative. Uh, Tesla has reduced the cost of manufacturing its cars by 57% since 2017. And then our friend uh, Nautius Maximus, aka Elon Musk, aka All I Do is Troll on Twitter, uh, he said this was harder than reaching volume production, which is insanely hard. So, mm -hmm. uh, so the way I view that is that Elon has come out and essentially confirmed that they've been able to reduce their cost by 57% from 2017. If we click on the article, um, I believe there is actually a, a, a dollar value that's applied to this uh, here. So according to Martin Vieca, so uh, in 2017, the company spent an average of $84,000 to produce each vehicle in 2017. So this implies that if they saved 57% uh, on their cost to produce a vehicle, this means that the average production cost of a Tesla car today is roughly $36,000, right? Uh, which is <laughs> pretty stunning. That's a, that's a pretty big change. The reason why I want to highlight this article is for the upcoming product, uh, aka Cybertruck, that's going to be released here in the next... Um, Hopefully six months to nine months, if uh, if Tesla uh, if Elon's correct about his um his uh, sort of prediction. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that comment? So two things come to mind. One, um, Martin, and actually uh, Bradford. I don't know if you're still on, but if you could also please take that um, tweet from Tesmanian. It was posted at 11:15 a.m. Uh, today. Tesla has reduced the cost of manufacturing its cars by 57 percent. If we could put that at the top of the space, that would be amazing. Thank you very much, sir. Um, so there's two things that, that, that excite me there. One is 
there was a comment again from Martin Vieca at the Goldman Sachs sort of in, uh, meeting where he said that they're not any sort of bottlenecks they had around battery cell production has been lifted. So that's mm -hmm. that's a that signal tells us that cool. They have a clear runway into Cybertruck for next year. So any sort of bottlenecks around from a battery perspective, let me just be clear about that from a battery perspective. So from that perspective, it looks like Cybertruck is going to come to fruition. Once Cybertruck comes to fruition next year, the, the fact that Tesla has been able to reduce their average cost of their vehicles to $36,000 per vehicle, to me implies, you know, implies that Model Y and 3, from a cost perspective, are right around that range because they are a, like, 90% a lion's share of the vehicles that are being produced by the company. So, you know, if it's 36,000 for all the cars, Model 3 and Y is probably 34,000. Right. And then S and X are probably like, you know, 45 or 50,000, whatever that number is, right? But it's mm -hmm. it's right around the $36,000 figure. Uh, then my head goes to, okay, so Elon came out um, when the uh, unveiled the Cybertruck and he made a comment that said that uh, Tesla will need to figure out how to produce Cybertruck at or below the cost of a Model 3, okay? Which implies <laughs> that Cybertruck, uh, if these numbers are correct, will launch, or once it reaches uh, uh, ramp status, so once uh, Austin is at, I don't know, 250,000 units per year, whatever that target is, they'll be able to produce Cybertruck at uh, 36,000 or so dollars per unit. If you extrapolate that out to how much they're likely to be able to charge for a Cybertruck, my head goes to, okay, and we did this exercise with Matt on Friday, uh, and, and we did took a clip of it and posted it. Cybertruck could very well have 50% or greater margins once it's fully ramped, mm -hmm. A, because of Tesla's ability to have low costs per unit, and mm -hmm. two, that the market is going to be willing to pay call it about $75,000 on average for a Cybertruck. And the, and the reason why I say they're willing to pay that, if we take a Rivian as an example, right now, a Rivian uh, R1T, right? that's the mm -hmm. pickup truck, I believe, they sell for a little bit over 75, I think 77 is the lowest trim I think you can buy. Um, and then you think about the pickup truck market, all the trucks that I see around here are souped up F-150, souped up Silverados. So if there is a market for a Cybertruck at $75,000 on average per unit in the next year, Tesla is going to achieve 50% margins on this truck more, more, more than not, more likely than not. That's my opinion. Um, what do you think about that statement? Do you think I'm, do you think I'm crazy? Have you thought about it? Um, yeah, I I'm think, curious to hear your take. Yeah, I, 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 like you mean at volume production? They're going to be at that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I think it makes sense. No, like no paint shop needed. Um, yes, there's going to be like growing pains with every new model. And, and there, there almost certainly will be with Cybertruck as well. I think the, the comments are very interesting. I mean, 36,000, let's say is the mixed cost on average, uh, like, like the median mixed cost. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know ASP is at 50 K or around there actually a little bit over, right? That's like 38%, 39% gross margins extrapolating from that. Right. Like, like, like that's we're almost at 40%. Now all of a sudden the 50%, like, you know, we start questioning. Um, so yes, I, I think, but here, here's the, here's the wrench I'll throw back to you. 
Elon has said multiple times that their goal, his goal at least, I forget what year, what quarter call he said this in, but I think it was at the beginning of last year uh, or sec- first or second quarter call last year. He said his goal isn't to get gross margins to this like really insane number. It's actually to keep them steady. And I think he said around um, 25 to 30. I totally, so maybe someone in the comments remember. I recall he, that. Yeah. Okay. And he said, and he said like between 20 and 30, I forget what the number was. Like, so my question is, we know gross margins are up there uh, and will continue to be up there. Mm. Do do they lower prices? And this is a blasphemous topic. I know a lot of Tesla owners don't want to talk about. I mean, me included. Like, I I don't want my car to car to <laughs> yeah. depreciate. And on demand is almost like is unfathomable even at these prices. So free market theory would tell you to just continue to raise them. But what are your thoughts around that? If gross margins are thirty nine percent, like Martin's kind of saying. Um, and we know Elon doesn't like prices as high. Like what, like, what does that, what does that mean? I know that, that, that's a phenomenal question. And that's, that's, that is what I'm struggling with too. But that's the point that you just made of the market market's going to drive pricing, you know, if they're already, so, so the only way I see them getting back to say 25%, 30% margins is that they, that they have to, because Mm. they, they've created so much production that the current pricing is not allowing them to be able to ramp to full volume, right? If they live in a world where Cybertruck comes out and it's an ASP of $75,000 and mm-hmm. Elon and Martin and all those guys are like, man, this is so freaking expensive. But if they go down to 70,000, you go from a year backlog to a two year backlog, you right. can't go to 70,000. That ends up hurting your brand more than it helps. So mm-hmm. it's like, this is the worst, this is the best worst problem to have, right? That's true. Champagne problem. It is. It, it's yeah. it's so silly. And the fact that we live in this world now with Tesla where this this is now becoming like the big problem for the company is like, we're making too much money. How can we make less money? Like, okay, <laughs> tell me a company that has had that problem here in yeah. the in the recent you know, maybe Apple's we can you can use that as an example as as a sort of parallel, but but yeah. that's the sort of you know it, it's we start talking now about Tesla from a cultural perspective and how it's perceived by the everyday person, right? Which I think is a very legitimate thing. If Tesla is literally incapable of lowering their prices too much because it will create ill will with the customers because they'll have to wait so long to get their cars, Hmm. will Tesla be able to achieve the uh, capability of being able to cater to the masses anytime soon because of that sort of dynamic? I don't know mm-hmm. what you think, but like this is this is the conundrum that we're in. And Cybertruck, my gut, my gut tells me Cybertruck is going to make this problem a hundred times worse. Yeah, yeah, it's going to make it a hundred because it's going to be so profitable because of the of the manufacturing prowess that Tesla has and the and the sort of way that they're approaching the car and the fact that they're going to be able to enter the market at seventy five ASP and have at least two hundred fifty thousand units sold per year easily, probably mm-hmm. way more. Like you can't, you just can't lower prices. I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you think? It's yeah, that's fair. I guess the the free market approach might be to clear out the demand that there is at these currently elevated levels. Maybe even increase it a little bit to 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 gain as much revenue as possible, and then eventually at per, uh, like in perpetuity in the long haul, then you can talk about lowering prices. I see a lot of good comments about software potentially being an incentive as well. I mean, that's the thing is like t- Tesla has so many 
get like free supercharging like tesla can tesla can really start to to show their their service software prowess soon enough like i was even thinking about um fst subscription and i was like well if tesla ever wanted to push just the software business they could have like a hundred dollars a month for x amount of supercharging miles per month and yeah. you know this this and this feature limited like tesla has so many different options of what they can do to just essentially print money with their existing fleet that when we pull out Cybertruck, that's going to be like you said like a like a cultural game changer i think a lot of people it's like sci-fi in real life like like you know that's essentially what the <laughs> cyber truck is going to be when it's rolling around the resale prices i feel lucky if anyone in the chat ordered a cyber truck i know you ordered it the morning after hell um, yeah but if anyone ordered it like the like the first in line like the resale prices on the cyber truck are going to be insane uh, yeah. and and we're right in this window now where like if you get pregnant, by the time you have your kid, there might be a cyber truck on the road. Like we're in that nine month window now at this point, yeah. like it's getting exciting. And, and I get it. Like we've kind of thought cyber truck was coming like, uh, you know, uh, this summer or this spring. Like it seems like it's always been pushed out, but it finally seems like with Martin's comments about batteries are no longer a constraint at chips debatable. I know legacy auto will continue to say that they are. Um, but like, it's almost like Martin is saying, um, like we have no more excuses. Like we have to execute yeah. now. Right. And that's what I loved about his uh, his parse through no context comments that I read. Yeah, I agree 100 percent with that statement. I think how many people are going to listen to this and try to go conceive a baby so they can have a Cybertruck baby? <laughs> <laughs> I think Elon would approve. Yeah, Elon would totally approve. Um, yeah, it, it's the two things that come to mind when, when as you were talking is um, it, it is in Tesla's best interest to have the pricing match what the market's demanding, because if you do go too low too quickly without the, the market will just there will be too much of a incentive to resell the truck. You know, yeah. like people are going to take advantage of it. They're going to buy the truck for 75 and sell it for 125. And Tesla's yeah. going to be like, well, that's kind of not doesn't seem right, you know? So so what mm. is the way, what is the lever that they have to pull to actually allow the masses to have access to the vehicle? Flood the market with units. Flood the market right. with scale. Master right. plan part three. This yeah. is, this is it, it all ties back to this damn thing. Hurry up, Elon, get this yeah. thing out, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, agree. it's, it's going to give us a lot of visibility, you know? Um, do you yeah, want to bring just, on? It's, do you yeah, bring we're going to give it a now? shot. Yeah, we're, we're at uh, nine minutes left. So thank you, everybody that's been listening so far. We have two requests. I'm going to give this a shot. YouTube uh, people, what we're going to do is we're going to bring uh, a, a person or two from the Twitter space, and I'm going to do a very advanced technical uh, um, um, sort of uh, thing here, process of taking out one of my AirPods and putting it on the microphone and seeing if this works, okay? And then, Yashu, if it works, just give me a nod. Just yeah. do confirm that you can hear me. So I'm going to go ahead and bring on Scott Walter, our, our good friend, Scott. I'm going to bring you on, Scott. So I've just added added you. And then uh, if you don't mind, once I, uh, let's see, he's connecting right now. I'm just going to wait for the connection to confirm. So Scott, uh, I'm going to shut up. And as soon as I shut up, please uh, unmute and uh, ask your question or make your comment. Yes, you can. Yes, you can.
Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Um, so the question looks like we didn't have your audio come through. I think I may have to uh, cancel some settings on my audio there. But thank you, Scott, for the question. I'll, I'll repeat it for uh, j just to confirm, Scott. The, again, the question was, what do we think about cities that have uh, good grid systems as being the first cities that are approved for full self-driving? Is that the question? I just want to make sure I understand it. Yeah, really predictable. Got it. Yeah. That's that's a great that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, so Yashu, what do you think about that? I mean, I think that's a great call. I think in, in order to ensure that uh, RoboTaxi is um, has has the best success to has the best chance of success at being adopted by the public, you'd want to give it a sort of um, I don't know markings. You want to give it a a simple grid structure. You want to make it as easy as humanly possible for the for the car to complete its course, which mm -hmm. is going to set a really good precedent for um, precedence for the for the public to say, "Wow, this thing works." You know, yeah. how can we maximize the chances of success? Uh, and I agree with that. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. What do you think? Yeah, I think it makes sense. And like, like, so power grids, street grids, Boyle's asking, I guess both, right? Like, I mean, to a degree, number one, you don't want to be have this like FSD pilot program in a city where you can have potential headlines like we had with California this week, uh, this last couple of weeks where heat waves and the brownouts and don't charge your EVs and all this madness and stuff like, hap like that happened for a few hours, really. You don't want headlines like that. So I think that almost rules out California almost, uh, I guess. Uh, but maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I'm worrying about it too much and I care about headlines a little bit too much, right? Like maybe it doesn't matter and, and you just want to optimize for like San Francisco is really like where FSD, it seems like works the best. So if you just want to take it from that perspective, I think uh, like SF makes the most sense from that perspective. Um, but I think it makes, but that's a great point. Like from the, from the power grid perspective as well, it needs to be stable. Cause if this works and you scale this out, the last thing you need is, uh, you know, uh, a wrench thrown in when, when you have what we had in California a couple weeks back. Got it. All right. I'm going to do one more. We're going to bring on Vatsvana. I think I, I know what to fix here. There's okay. a noise suppression setting on OBS that I'm going to remove. Okay. And that's I'll, that's I'll actually yeah. check this time because last time I okay, <laughs> bro, you gave me a thumbs up. It was all I know. Right. I'm sorry. I, I did. <laughs> I, I realized I was listening to the space. Uh, Vatsvana, I've brought you on. Um, I'm just waiting for Vatsvana to connect here. Once they do, okay, Vatsvana, uh, go ahead and ask your question. So, so real quick, let me just repeat the question to make sure I understand it. Um, what are, what are the chances that Tesla enters the market of essentially UPS and FedEx uh, autonomously through their upcoming products? Is that correct, Vatsvana? I just want to make sure I understand. 
Got it. Particularly a use cases for Tesla bot. Yeah, I mean, so so the so that's the question. I so if Tesla has all the pieces for that, why wouldn't they do it? <laughs> you know, I think that's what's really interesting. When when I worked at the company, I was in the service distribution side of the business where we uh, distributed parts for for the company. You know, for for the service centers and body shops. And during mm. my time there. Um, you know, we were working with uh, 3PLs, third-party logistics, potentially to bring them on as partners. Um, and this is sort of like, uh, you know, it's known that Tesla has a 3PL warehouses. If you go on their website and you go find a, uh, a posting, you can see that there's a third-party uh, warehouse that you would be applying to. So this is not, you know, this is not part of my NDA. I hope Elon's lawyers, please don't come and knock down my door. Uh, I hope. No, but it's just public information. But what's what's interesting about me being there during that perspective is like, wow, like we're actually getting really good at warehousing and I've been exposed to other warehouses and Tesla mm -hmm. does warehousing better than most people can do it. So what my head goes to is like, if Tesla is able to enter markets that are not strictly in automotive, that they can perform well, why wouldn't they do it? So if they have the pieces to essentially um, drive their own delivery service, the question becomes, is Tesla willing to allocate the bandwidth for that to be part of their business? So it becomes a strategic, it becomes a strategic decision for Elon and and the company. Um, so my gut tells me is that Tesla is going to be able to do a lot of things. The exactly. question becomes, are they going to want to? Yeah. And I think that's a completely different question. Um, yeah, I, I think they'll have the means. It, it just comes down to, will they have the want? Do you have any thoughts, Yashu, for here for the last minute? No, I have no thoughts that would... Uh, oh, you're muted. I can't... I can't hear you on on uh, spaces. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, I, I would have no thoughts that would supersede what you just said. I think that makes sense. You would know way more than I. Tesla can do everything, man. Like, well, okay, not everything. Tesla can do so many things. The question is, where do they focus on first? Because unless you focus on something, and guys, you know, you can uh, uh, you can com compartmentalize teams and all this sort of stuff. But Tesla needs to focus on what's important for the mission first, and then all these auxiliary things. I think. There's so many different directions we can go into, and, and I think it makes sense. Um, by the way, when you were asking that question, uh, Botswana, immediately I thought about my little Tesla app idea where when the Tesla app store is out with your car, you can have delivery people put packages in your trunk that they can auto mm. access and stuff like that. Like, you know, I, so yeah, there's so many different ways that we can, we can probably um, talk about different business models and whatnot. So, yeah, really, really speaks to just how powerful Tesla is from a, uh, just making really cool shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just very good at it. Uh, thank you all very much. One more talk, uh, one more pizza. Yeah, Batsvana, if, if you could, yeah, sorry. sorry. We're going to switch over to uh, Yashu's stream here, and maybe we'll, we'll kick off with that because we've reached a 2 o'clock uh, time here. So let's do that. Yashu, do you mind kicking off with Batsvana's thoughts on your, sure, on your stream? Sure, do Do you want to close it out here? Okay, he said sure. You're, you're yeah, muted yeah. on space. Sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, let's hold that thought here real quick. And then thank you all very much for following on my channel. What I'm going to do is I'm going to end the pro end the proc. Let me see if I can speak English. I'm going to end the broadcast and we should be redirected all of us to Yashu's channel to continue this discussion on YouTube. However, on Twitter spaces, you can stay here for the next hour as we'll go now officially into the power hour with the Juju King Yashu. So and broadcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you on Yashu's stream on YouTube on the Twitter spaces. Hold with us for 30 seconds until we get switched over. Thank you, everybody.